This broadcast is rated PG-13 for prolonged sequences of coherent sentences, strong opinions, mind-blowing factual analysis, minor language, and hardcore roasting. Some material may be inappropriate for fragile precedents. Whiny baby strongly cautioned. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the realest fake news show of all time. My name is Paul, and I'll be your bullshit police for the duration of this wild ride. And my name is Glenn, a journalist extraordinaire in training and a public policy aficionado. And together we make PG-13 your favorite NSFW news podcast in the entire Western Hemisphere. NSFW meaning not safe for Washington, of course. You go ahead and listen to this podcast anywhere you damn please. So fasten your seatbelts and secure your tray tables because it's about to go down. So we had already planned an issue for today's podcast, but since an even bigger issue came up, perhaps the most significant issue of our time, we decided to change it up. Today, President Trump announced that the United States would be withdrawing from the Paris Climate Agreement, held by all but now three countries to take action to curb the effects of climate change. Today is truly a sad day in America's history. All right, now to be blunt, I think it's safe to say that what we're looking at is a damn shame and a national embarrassment. I mean, to be fair, like this country hasn't been embarrassed enough lately. Now, Glenn and I figured that our topic could wait a week, and Donald, we're going to chat about this now. So just a short recap, um, President Trump was overseas last week, and uh, he met with um, a lot of European leaders on the second leg of his trip. Um, including at the G7 summit um, and at the NATO summit. Um, And it was reported that the topic of climate change in the Paris Agreement came up. And when he arrived home, he announced that he would be making an announcement on whether or not he would stay in the Paris Agreement this week. Um, The Paris Agreement, for those who don't know, is an agreement that includes um, 194 countries um, that all agreed to take action on climate change um, back in November of 2016, um, something that was very important to the last last ten, uh, the last few weeks of the Obama presidency. Um, so the agreement kind of, there's no real um, legal requirements for any of the nations. Um, it's pretty lenient, but it does um, require them to make a plan and um, execute that plan. Um, to their own satisfaction um, in order to improve their country's um, carbon emissions and other factors that contribute to, to the human effects of climate change. So um, Glenn, what, what you're saying here is essentially that the, the Paris Agreement is just an agreement to be cool and groovy when it comes to the planet, right? Doesn't actually make anything yeah, it, do anything specific? It's 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 not an official treaty, um, but it's it acts like a treaty in that it's kind of... Um, it's just what it says. It's an agreement um, on all of these nations, almost every single nation, like I said, except for three now. Um, it was except for two uh, when the United States joined in. And as of right now, the United States is still in it, but um, we'll get to that later. It is it is an agreement that says um, countries are going to take action to um, prevent uh, potentially permanent damages from uh, climate change. The significance of today's announcement, um, President Trump announced in the Rose Garden at the White House um, on Thursday that the U.S. would be withdrawing from um, the agreement in a pretty lengthy speech um, and gave his details why. And um, he argued that it was a fulfilling a campaign promise, which is true. Um, he did say that he would um, look at this deal and try to get out of it. Um, but 
the fact that he's ignoring the facts of climate change is just very surprising and very damaging, not only to our country, but the world. I mean, I'm not entirely, I wouldn't consider myself entirely surprised about it. He's been denying the fact that climate change exists forever. I mean, he was the one who tweeted that climate change is a hoax perpetuated by the Chinese. Right. I don't think a lot of people were too surprised that, that he did it. Um, I know a lot of people were surprised that some of his advisors couldn't talk him out of it. Um, I think that, I think on this issue, they expected a little bit more. Um, look, the issue with this is that President Trump argued that the Paris Agreement doesn't work for America's interests. His, his, and he could not be more false. His, his campaign was built on the fact that he wants strong economic growth. He wants um, to create more jobs. Um, he wants to make uh, America great again. He wants to make America a superpower again. This does all of those things the exact opposite. It takes America away from being the leader in the fight against climate change, which now turns to countries like China and India um, to potentially be that leader. It ruins the aspect of people who want to get new jobs in clean energy and sustainable energy like solar. Mm -hmm. um, there are twice as many solar jobs as there is coal, jo uh, coal jobs, and that's where the economy is going. Um, and that booming economy can can create growth. Um, mm -hmm. And he's kind of turning his back on all of that because of this partisan, to relate to our last episode, witch hunt against climate change. Um, and right. it's, it's really disappointing. And I mean, coming from his priorities for, you know, increasing the United States international prominence, he's, he's shooting himself in the foot there too, because he's been publicly denounced by almost every single one of our European allies just today. Right. Like every single prominent country in Europe, save a few, have come out today and expressed deep disappointment. Right. And some have even said that, you know, Donald Trump is declaring war on the planet himself. So if he's looking to, you know, gain more respect in the world community, I don't know what he's going for here, but it's not working. Yeah. And just one example of um, our, our neighbors to the north, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tweeted uh, earlier, um, in addition to a statement he made uh, separately that he said, quote, we are deeply disappointed that the United States federal government has decided to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. Um, and a journalist uh, that I follow on Twitter, he, he kind of um, put that into context, saying that uh, Trudeau used the phrase United States federal government, not the United States, um, as a signal that countries are distinguishing Trump from the United States itself. And I appreciate um, that. And I think we've seen evidence of that too. I mean, the overwhelming majority of local governments and um, state governments have taken action. And we just saw today um, more evidence of that. 61 mayors, it was announced that um, 61 mayors from across the country, um, uh, from Burlington, Vermont to Los Angeles, as reported by the Huffington Post, um, promised to meet commitments agreed to under um, the Paris Agreement. Um, so they're doing that on their own. And then separately, governors uh, of California and New York and Washington formed a coalition hoping to uh, engage other states as well to take aggressive action to combat climate change. So they're basically taking the action that um, if, if uh, the federal government's not going to do it, then the local governments are going to do it. And it's really ironic because climate change, unfortunately, is, uh, is a democratic progressive issue. So we see uh, mostly Democratic um, governors and mayors and, and the like um, championing this issue of climate change and taking action on it. But um, 
usually it's you know the right and the republicans that want to push things down to the states and the local governments so just a little bit of irony on this issue that local and state governments are taking upon themselves to um defy him exactly so like we were saying the the mayors um of 61 cities and now the governors of three states are are committing or doubling down on their commitment to attack climate change and and make improvements and actually an interesting thing from um, the mayor of Pittsburgh during his speech today, uh, President Trump mentioned the city of Pittsburgh. He said, um, quote, I was elected by the voters of Pittsburgh, not Paris. I promised I would exit or renegotiate any deal which fails to serve U.S. interests. So we kind of talked already about that U.S. interests and how he's wrong about um, it not serving U.S. interests. But he said he was elected by the voters of Pittsburgh and um, mayor of Pittsburgh, Bill Peduto, um, on Twitter, um, responded to that saying, quote, as the mayor of Pittsburgh, I can assure you that we will follow the guidelines of the Paris Agreement for our people, our economy, and future. Um, so I think that's, that's a pretty fantastic. interesting... It's a really interesting um, situation that um, there's been almost, at least from what I've seen in the media and through um, people who have... It's really been worldwide, the response to this, um, as the U United States being one of the leaders, one of, the, I should say now, one of the former leaders of the fight on climate change um to kind of see this big of a step back um that really started when trump nominated scott pruitt to the epa and rick perry to the department of energy that's really when this whole thing started well yeah i mean i was i mean you could probably see this coming from a mile away when he appointed a climate denier to be you know sitting in the seat of the epa head you know right and it's honestly it's just absurd a lot of it you know he's He's taking a non-binding agreement that didn't make the U.S. do anything and is symbolically stepping out of it just because, you know, it, quote, doesn't protect the United States interest or whatever he said. It doesn't really matter. And, you know, he's claiming that he's doing all this for U.S. interests and people are just eating it up. You know, they're just like, yeah, it wasn't good for America. It's like they didn't make us do anything. Do you think that this is um, this issue we're talking about? Um, the fallback and, and all the people that are resisting to this on, on on all of the things that he's done so far in his administration where do you think this falls on the negativity list oh man wow I mean a lot of his negativity for me fell during his campaigning phase I mean he's he's done a lot of less than savory things as president but a lot of his just absurdities came a lot from his campaigning just when he needed to be a showman but in terms of his first meaningful policy enactment yeah mm -hmm. for sure i mean this is the first big thing that donald trump has done i mean to be to be fair here i think it seems to me as though a lot of this decision came from his inability to enact any of his other campaign promises you know he tried to you know initiate a travel ban twice it was blocked twice he's having a hell of a time trying to get the wall to come together um, you know, he's, his battle with the Supreme Court has been complicated. His appointment of Secretary DeVos has been complicated. Nothing has been easy for him. And he's come to discover, as he quoted, that, you know, the presidency is a lot harder than he thought it was going to be. And, you know, who would have thought it would have been this difficult? And now he comes, he's just fed on a silver platter one thing that he can make a singular decision on. Like, he decides. Mm -hmm. And I think he just loved that. And I mean, I, it, it could have been so easy for him to have stayed. It would have meant nothing. Like if he wanted to, you know, reduce our efforts to, you know, reduce carbon emissions, fine. He could have done that. Mm -hmm. But he chose 
to backstab the United Nations. And I mean, it, it could have probably been in response to the fact that he was poorly received at, you know, NATO and G7, you know? He was publicly shown with footage of people, you know, disrespecting him, which hurt his image for sure. And I think it, I mean, he probably had made this decision a long time ago, but it probably made him feel a lot better about it, knowing that, you know, the European Union doesn't respect him and the world culture doesn't respect him. The United Nations doesn't respect him. So damn it, he's going to do it. He's going to, you know, he's going to say, screw you. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah, it's definitely... It definitely feeds his ego to be able to make a unilateral decision like this. Mm-hmm. Um, John Lovett, I wanted to mention this. John Lovett, who is a former um, Obama aide um, and a co-host of the podcast Pot Save America, uh, he tweeted earlier that, quote, this is the darkest day of this administration so far, purely mm-hmm. vindictive and destructive. And For sure. Yeah, yeah so I would wholeheartedly I, agree with that. I think that this has been probably, you know, out of all the the awful things that have been um, put forth in this administration, I don't think any of them has the potential impact as this one does. Um, even even the healthcare bill, as 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 awful as it was, that healthcare bill dies in the Senate. That's that's not getting through. Um, right. So you know they celebrated that, but it's it's not going anywhere. But I mean, this- the, the thing with the healthcare bill that made it through the House, though, is that just like this climate change announcement, it's it's the message. You know, mm-hmm. it's the it's the principle of the thing. And, you know, right. the health care bill, you know, as it stands right now, isn't going to do anything because the Senate already stated, as you just mentioned, that they want to do it right. And, you know, half of these policies aren't even going to make it out the door. Right. But the same thing with the climate change announcement, the, the administration is making a clear comment here that they don't care. Right. You know, and so it doesn't matter what it means. It doesn't matter what it's actually going to do. It matters what they're saying and right. what they want you to hear. Right. And I think that, um, you know, very rarely we have an issue like this um, where the issue is so, so heavily based in fact and scientific research that the answers are shown right to you. Right. Um, You know, we can debate on gun control. We can debate on healthcare, We can debate on other issues like those that are always hot button issues. Um, There's there's no there's not always a a right or wrong answer um most of those are experiments but climate change is one of the issues that there is concrete evidence that this is happening there is concrete evidence for years that humans are contributing to it and it's coming from scientists who study this for a living um it's not coming from um i mean it's supported by pundits and and politicians but they're not the ones coming up forward with the information Mm -hmm. um it's coming forth by scientists and um uh climate researchers and meteorologists people that study this for a living people that watch this for a living and 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 have um discovered what we're now seeing as the effects on the planet um and i wanted to make a point that um even the weather channel today um after trump made the decision to leave or made his announcement that the u.s would leave um they, they devoted their entire homepage to showing the proof of climate change. Mm. Um, so if you want to go check that out, you just go to weatherchannel.com. Um, but it, it basically shows one article that um, shows proof that you should care about climate change. And then subsequent articles just saying, here it is again, here it is again, here it is again. And um, another. In different, exactly. And different another examples. One. I need you to appreciate my DJ Khaled reference right now. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. But it just goes to show that... Um, 
you know, I'm not saying people shouldn't be skeptical, but when there's such widespread agreement. So what's interesting to me is that there's about 97 to 98% of scientists agree that climate change is caused by human mm -hmm. um, human uh, activity. We have someone in the 2% that's unsure, the 2 to 3% making decisions for the 100%. Just think about how crazy that is. Imagine someone that, um, you know, won an election with only 3% of the vote and mm -hmm. then got to rule. Like, that doesn't make sense and you would never... Um, approve of that mm -hmm. um, but that's what's happening on this issue um, you have someone who's in that two three percent of people who are skeptical about climate change um, even when you know they shouldn't be but they're making decisions on behalf of the rest of the 98 percent who um, not even believe in it but who understand it um, right and, and it's just it's problematic now, in terms of, you know, having somebody in the two or three percent making all of the decisions for the 97, 98 percent, um, I was uh, sort of observing and passively participating in a conversation today about what this decision actually means for us and what it's actually going to change. And, you know, to be fair, you know, getting out of this agreement doesn't change anything for the United States because, you know, the states still have the ability to do whatever they want and we could have made our own terms anyway. But this administration still, as we discussed before, has already put in place, you know, they've slashed environmental restrictions that were put right. in place that have been cleaning the air for decades. Right. And now we've just gone back 50 years. You know, the, the EPA is held by just somebody completely out of base with the issues. And right. so at least in terms with the Paris Agreement, you know, I'm pissed, you're pissed, people are scared. You know, the message is heard loud and clear. We get it. What does it actually mean, though? Like, are we are we in? Are we out? Is it now? Is it later? What does this look like? So today was the announcement that the U.S. would be withdrawing from the agreement. Now, this was this was pointed out by um, a former uh, Obama senior advisor, uh, advisor Brian Deese, um, who was part of the negotiations into the Paris Agreement. Um, and, and he pointed out Article 28 from the agreement that says um, part one is, quote, at any time after three years from the date on which this agreement has entered entered into force for a party, that party may withdraw from this agreement. And then part two, any such withdrawal shall take effect upon expiry of one year from the date of receipt by the depository of the notification of withdrawal. Basically, what that article means in a nutshell is that a country has to wait three years after the agreement was ratified, which was on uh, November 4th of 2016. Um, so that takes us to November 4th of 2019. Um, the day after that would be the first day that um, a country can announce its uh, intention to officially withdraw from the uh, Paris Agreement. The earliest that they can actually um, concretely remove themselves, meaning that the, um, the time that it would take effect um, officially would be a year after that announcement. So let's say that the Trump administration t makes that announcement on November 5th of 2019, which would be three years and a day after the ratification. Um, they would not be able to officially withdraw from the Paris Agreement until November 5th of 2020. And quite incidentally, November 5th of 2020 is two days after the next presidential election. So no concrete steps excuse me, no concrete action um, will happen until that day. 
at the earliest. The Trump administration still has two years to ponder this. Um, they can't do anything legally within the agreement for two years until they decide then if they want to continue with the removal or if they decide to, um, you know, go back on their on their uh, claim. And let's say for the sake of argument that they do decide, you know, throughout the course of the administration to actively, you know, continue to resign. Uh, that means ideally for the rest of us that there's only about a three month turnaround time before the president elect. Now, ideally, they'd be somebody who would put us back into this agreement. But there's a three month right. turnaround time where this decision actually matters. You know, it actually right. makes a difference for three months. Right. Yeah. So in an ideal world, Trump will not be reelected and there will be, you know, that two month period where um, he will be in office, but the president elect will be um, transitioning. But there will be, let's say he follows through, there will be that approximately two month period where um, the U.S. will not be in the Paris Agreement. We should be clear that that won't mean that the U.S. can't still be taking action. We we talked about before how mayors and governors are taking action upon themselves, um, so that still will be possible, and I'm sure we'll see an increase of that um, both as the years progress in this administration and after the midterm elections when we see some shifts in uh, governorships and legislatures and and Congress. Um, mm. So the, this uh, advisor, Brian Deese, that I, that I mentioned earlier, who worked for Obama, also said that Paris will be on the ballot, almost, mm -hmm. just short of literally, will almost literally be on the ballot. Um, I mean, there's really if, no way to avoid continues. it. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is, climate change was one of the leading issues in the Democratic primary. That's the bread and butter of progressive movement. Taking that away, um, it, it's just more fuel for that movement to go out to the polls. Right. And this this four-year thing, that, that feels almost, I don't know exactly when that article was placed into the rules, but that feels a little sneaky sneak. Good job, Obama. <laughs> yeah. I, it I almost, mean, it's almost too perfect. I don't know. I don't know who came up with it, but... Um, feels a yeah, little it, intentional. I, I think... It, it, I'm sure it was for several reasons. It could have been... Um, the cold feet aspects where um you know people might as soon as they sign this agreement they might go home and think you know the buyer's remorse kind of thing um and it could be for a transition of power so that when new leadership comes in they don't automatically just say nope we're not going to do that uh, we're doing things differently so there was some protection put in there to uh kind of save this agreement from just falling by the wayside um, but one, one thing that is important to note is that, again, uh, this former advisor, Brian Deese, said that even if, um, at least for now, um, the agreement will go on, um, you know, countries will still be making their plans and honoring them. Um, and if the U.S. decides to withdraw, um, he said he believes that the agreement will go on. And I, I, I agree with him. I think that it will go on. Um, I don't think that countries are going to back out just because the U.S. backed out. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think it might make some countries step up a little more. And like we were saying before, it'll it will effectively make someone else the the global leader in the fight against climate change. Mm -hmm. And I think right now China is probably the biggest contender for that title. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I saw a video posted by Macron from France a couple of weeks ago, and he was inviting United States-based scientists to move to France. 
Um, he was like, guys, listen, you know, you're not wanted in America. We see that. They don't respect your science. They don't respect what you're doing. Come to France. We want you here. We're going to work on this and we're going to work really hard. And if you, you know, we want your innovative people, we want your best minds because you're wasted in America right now. Yeah. And it's definitely, um, you know, we, again, we talked about this earlier about the, you know, the fight against, fight against the progression of clean energy and sustainable energy against the, uh, the coal and, and it's not like you know these the decline of these industries is going to lose that many jobs i mean oh you just learn a new skill you know you just it's not i don't want to say it's easy to learn how to install solar panels or how to you know set up windmills but it's there are grants for that right now i mean i don't know if there are federal grants going to be anymore but state-based state-based grants are in place you know to get people the education that they need and there is, there are programs out there that will allow people. And as you said before, there is, there are more solar and wind-based jobs than there are coal-based jobs. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's no good reason for us to not take advantage of the opportunity. And if, and if Donald Trump wants to make this decision and claim it's in America's interest that we are backing down on advancing against climate change, then I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, and it's in America's interest to move forward with this technology and move forward with this um, type of job climate. I mean, no, it's not easy to go out and be retrained after you've been working in a coal mine um, to go work for a solar plant now. Um, but I think it's necessary for the government to invest in that type of education and then having competent, pe competent people to um, fill those jobs will achieve both of their goals, creating jobs, creating economic growth, and attaining sustainable and renewable energy. It's so easy. It's a jackpot. <laughs> I'm sure it's not as easy as we're making it sound, but it, it is necessary. Can't be um, as hard as they're making it sound. You know, they're making that out to be um, against the American worker and against American interests when it's just not true. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of PG-13 with Paul and Glenn. Um, today we were talking about climate change. Be sure to tune in again next week when we uh, tackle another important topic. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud and on iTunes you, where you can subscribe to our podcast and get our episodes regularly. You can also follow us on Facebook and send us a message um, if you have any topic suggestions or questions or concerns or comments about the show. Uh, you can also send us an email at paulandglen13 at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us and send us a, a, a topic idea or anything uh, like that or comments or questions and things like that. So again, thank you for listening to this week's show, and we hope to see you again next week. You did it. I did it. You did it.